0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planter, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Dalton Deldon joining with me, uh, joining me today. I don't know why I say joining with me today. That doesn't make any sense. Dalton Deldon joining me today. Uh, Dalton, do you know what satisfied me today? What's up? What what is that, Harmon? Well, what's not satisfying me right now is that allergies are absolutely uh, kicking my butt over here. And you know, humble brag. Uh, you know, actually, I have two humble brags within this complaint, which is actually part of what satisfied me because the the ceilings in in our house here are so high. This house collects a lot of yeah humble brag uh, collects a lot of dust, uh, which then just just uh, that like just destroys me allergy wise. But what really satisfied me uh, again. Humble brag. I'm engaged to a beautiful woman who is very smart. Uh, She like knows all of these things. And we're just such an we're just the the most inferior uh, species here. Us male humans. Um, We don't know anything. We don't know how to take care of ourselves. We're a mess. She just, you know, she, like, is constantly telling me things like, hey, if your nose is stuffed up, like, take a warm towel, put some essential oils on it, and, like, cover your face for five minutes. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. No way. And then I do it. I'm like, wow, that really actually made me feel a lot better. So um, shout out to women, basically, is what satisfied me today. For sure. I like that.
0: Uh, I know local honey can help with allergies, too. um, But maybe that may may be more of like if trees are shaking, if you're around agriculture areas. But local honey is supposedly a good remedy for airborne allergies as well.
1: I feel like that's a good call for for you uh, and Josh Allen up there in California uh, Farm right. Town.
0: <laughs> exactly right, man. I
1: that's love sure. that that's become like a, a thing now. Like that's something that that announcers talk about in Bills games and everything like that. <laughs> uh, but Dalton Deldon, Yahoo Zone was on that one first, so that is a big shout out to you. All right, Dalton. Let's jump into the meat of the show here. We do it every Tuesdays, the trends that you love to see and the trends that you hate to see. But before we kind of get into that, we actually have two pretty significant uh, pieces of news here to discuss. And, I mean, significant is kind of a sliding scale with this first one. Des Bryant, he of um, Cowboys fame previously, he has not played an NFL game since December 31st, 2017. We are coming up on almost a three-year absence for Des Bryant in the NFL. But despite all that, the Baltimore Ravens have signed him to their practice squad. Um, Yahoo users were up in uh, arms about the fact that he wasn't available in the player pool, which is uh, an interesting thing to be bothered by if you if you ask my opinion. But he is back in the game, and he's back in the NFL. Uh, Dalton, any reaction to to this one at all?
0: Yes, the reaction was surprising. I uh, heard heard it myself. Why is Des Bryant not in the player pool? Um, we got that taken care of, and uh, I don't know. This is a a nothing burger for me. I mean, Mark Andrews only has twenty catches. Uh, Marquise Brown, I think's gonna get going, but this is not a high volume pass offense. Des Bryant's coming off a tour in Achilles. I know he's younger than you think. But, um, man, playing-wise, he hasn't made an impact for a couple years now. To ask him to come in the middle of a season and go to this situation, um, I I would be shocked if he – maybe a 20-team league, I'm in one of those or something. But, no, I'm I'm not rushing to get Des Bryant, I mean, in a 12-teamer right now. Am I I off base here?
1: No, I don't don't think you're off base at all. I don't really think he's worth – Putting on fantasy rosters at the moment, um, because number one, he's not even on the Ravens active roster. <laughs> you know, he's on their practice squad. Like Josh McCown, by the way, is on the Eagles practice squad. Uh, you wouldn't know it because he's just hanging out in his house in Texas doing zoom meetings with the team. But that's essentially what practice squad means here in the year 2020. Now, with that being said, the signing at least piques my interest. A little bit. Number one, because obviously the Ravens were one of the teams that we're thinking about, you know, they were kind of on the outskirts of the Antonio Brown conversation because Marquise Brown is Antonio Brown's cousin. Uh Lamar Jackson and Marquise and Antonio all worked out together in this offseason. So there was that. They clearly want to add some juice to their receiver room. Uh their passing offense right now, you know, it's it's I don't know if it's sneaky or I don't know if it's quiet anymore. I feel like enough people are talking about it. But it's not been a very good unit at all. They're 21st right now in pass offense DVOA. They're still 5th. In rushing offense DVOA, despite the fact that none of their backs are like usable in fantasy because it's just such a committee. Lamar Jackson, right now, like if you paid up for Lamar Jackson in August drafts, you hate yourself because he's QB 15 on the season. He's passed for more than 210 yards just once, just once, Dalton, and that was their season opener, which feels like a thousand years ago. So the pass offense clearly needs some help. Um, Dez. <sighs> Like I said, it's been three years since we've seen Dez in an NFL game, and last we saw him, he was not good at all. In reception perception that 2017 season, he finished in the, below the 10th percentile in success rate versus man and press coverage, which is surprising because you know he's like a freak athlete, obviously. That was how he used to get separation. I've always made the Dez Bryant-DK Metcalf uh, sort of comparison there. Um, but... Could three years away from the game maybe be good for him if he ever does get to the active roster? Perhaps. Uh, he definitely can't play like an outside X receiver role, but I think they could use some sort of. They could use a player like Dez Bryant from a theoretical perspective, a guy that could be, you know, an Anquan Bolden esque chain mover. I think that's sort of the the role that Dez would have to play. But again, it's just it's a total unknown to me now. And I mean, even when he does hit the field, I think it will be a total unknown then, too. I like your
0: point about Lamar Jackson. Um, I know you're happy if you drafted Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, but this is another piece of evidence to avoid quarterbacks early in one QB leagues. Uh, It's tough to predict which one. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been a disappointment, too. And so he and Lamar Jackson does not not quite living up to their ADP. Man, we I was there was some concern in the off season, the tape would be on Lamar, um the defense is going to be different, what's going to happen. Week 1, 11.0 YPA, three touchdowns. It looked like, "Oh, the opposite happened. He yeah. got better." So the yeah. league is put on notice, and then you know, ever since then, you mentioned I mean the yardage and the the fantasy production or the real life production has not quite been there. Maybe they take this bye week and they come out, you know, they fix it. But um, I know left tackle Ronnie Staley was banged up. And, uh, yeah, right now they are a question mark. Like, I'm taking the points and the Steelers this week because right now I'm in prove-it mode for this Ravens pass offense. I mean, Marquise Brown is way up there in all the um air yard stuff, and he could go crazy in the second half. But, again, I'm more in prove-it mode now, and I think this is a, a passing offense that – uh that uh is struggling and Des Bryant's not going to be the answer to suddenly fix it maybe in real life and in the postseason he can catch some touchdowns and um and and be the chain mover as you're saying but fantasy impact I would be surprised but then again I said Carmelo Anthony was done and he ended up helping fan NBA a little bit but <laughs> this would be shocking at this point of the year um man there are, there are way better ways to use your roster your bench spots in my opinion
1: yeah, again, wait till he even just gets on the active roster before you wanna put him on on your fantasy roster. Like that would be step yeah. that yeah. would be step one. <laughs> That's like the first part we need to clear. And I actually kinda have a lot more thoughts on the Ravens and like why their offense might be slowing, but I, I wanna save that discussion for um the Chiefs since you brought them up and we're gonna talk about them and trends that you hate to see. So I'll save that, that point for now. But the second piece of sort of news uh, today is that uh, Christian McCaffrey designated to return from injured reserve. Very dramatic return, apparently, according to the Athletics Joe Person. He came onto the field in one of those red, you know, injured der- jerseys, shed that and then threw on a regular jersey. Very much like, oh, is that Christian McCaffrey's music type of uh, moment for CMC there. But he's back. Theoretically, he, he could we don't know yet if he's going to play on Thursday night. Panthers played the Falcons on Thursday night; it would be a great spot for him to return. Obviously, it's a short week for them. What, how do you project this backfield um, now with McCaffrey back? Because Matt Rule has even said himself, like he doesn't see he doesn't see Mike Davis, you know, going away. He said he's still going to play even when McCaffrey is back. But what do you think that split looks like?
0: That was unclear to me at first. I'm like, was he wearing an on-contact jersey or not? So I'm, I'm glad that you, you filled in the details there. If he's active, what I, I would treat both of them as startable. Certainly McCaffrey, obviously, you're, you're playing. But yes. I think Mike Davis will be involved enough. And if you look at trying to rank running backs, it's ugly from 25 ugly. on. So especially yes. because of the targets he gets and McCaffrey coming back and uh, obviously from such a – semi-serious injury and the good matchup too at home against Falcons. So uh, I would play both for sure. I would definitely be using uh, Mike Davis as a flex type starter, even if CMC is active, at least this week.
1: Yeah, this week. I mean, this is a good spot for you to, if you have either Davis or McCaffrey. If you have both, it's sort of you're sort of in a bind there. But like, if you if you have like Davis, I think you can feel pretty good that if both of these guys are active because of the matchup that they're in, like this is a perfect spot for you. It probably couldn't have gotten gotten it gone any better than that because you can just throw these guys out there no matter what. Now it's worth noting that like over the last two weeks. The matchups have been a little bit more tough. Obviously, the Bears have a very good defense, and the Saints are very underrated as a rush defense. But Mike Davis has definitely started to slow down that pace that he maintained against the chargers the cardinals and these atlanta falcons caught two passes against the bears caught uh five passes against the saints which sort of buoyed his fantasy floor and then scored a rushing touchdown against the bears the previous week which buoyed that floor but 2.9 yards per carry against the bears 1.7 yards per carry against the saints just seven carries on the ground in general i think this offense like it's, it's 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 worth discussing this potential split. I do think that it will go back to sort of being an 80-20 sort of situation. Like they're going to spell McCaffrey with Mike Davis. Yeah. But even that is a big difference than how we've seen McCaffrey used in previous years. Like the last two seasons, especially in 2019, McCaffrey was like basically – a 99% snap player. Like even when they had CJ Anderson on the roster in 2018, that Norv Turner coaching staff was pretty much like, forget it. We're going to just throw this guy out there on every single possible play. So that alone, like even Davis taking 20% of the touches and, you know, this is just pulling numbers out of thin air. Like that would be a big difference to the point that McCaffrey might be when he comes back, you know, the seventh, the sixth, best running back in fantasy which is great uh, but it might be a little bit less of an impact especially coming off an injury the first probably real big serious injury of his career it it could force him like I said down to that sixth seventh running back in fantasy and not like the clear cut number one overall pick that he was coming into this year
0: yeah it was really nice when he was getting nearly a hundred percent of the of the snaps no doubt but um that, yeah, it will probably take away 15 to 20% with the way Mike Davis has shown. One thing I will note is Atlanta has been this like pass funnel defense, ranking 31st in DVOA against the pass and just seventh against the run. So they haven't been horrible, but obviously a home game over under near 50 should get some goal line scores. And um, I do like the setup here for Carolina uh, either way. But um, yeah, I think CMC is still moving forward after this week, and then they'll have 10 days to recover. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's not the clear-cut number one. But, man, you look at the, the running back landscape with what is Kamara doing and, and, and Elliott. Um, who's the argument? Aaron Jones coming off the injury, right. Dalvin Cook coming off the injury. Um, I don't know. I, I, Derek Henry, obviously, in non-PPR. But um, I don't know. I think Caffrey will be right there in the mix for number one, even if he's playing 80% of the snaps instead of 99%.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. And the good news is this, this Panthers offense overall has been really, really efficient, very functional. I think that they've been a big upgrade over what we thought this offense was probably heading into the year, which is good news overall. For It's it's a reason that um, Mike Davis has been in our lives as like a top 10 fantasy really? back the past couple of years, or the past couple of weeks, excuse me. Let's move on to sort of um, a mix of, you know, a, an interesting trend to discuss and also another news item. A couple of news items here. Chris Godwin fractured his index finger. Um, I feel apparently it was on that touchdown catch against uh, the Raiders last week. I feel so bad for Chris Godwin, man. Like, it's been one thing after another. You know, a super durable player overall. But, you know, it's just one of those, like, bad luck injury years for him. And, frankly, it's been a bit of a bad luck injury situation for all of the Bucs receivers. Scotty Miller's been hurt. Mike Evans has apparently been playing through an injury. That's a reason why they signed Antonio Brown, uh, according to Bruce Arians. That was a big reason that he said that they decided to make this move. Sure, whatever, Bruce i don't know um uh, but this is an interesting note with um with this bucks receiver core Uh according to J- uh, my buddy jj zacharyson from number fire and fan duel mike evans without chris godwin this year 21.2 ppr points per game 22.8 percent target share per game mike evans with chris godwin this year 7.3 ppr points per game and an 8.8 percent target share per game um that's a huge difference, right? That, that, that's, you know, you could argue sample size, whatever, but I think intuitively it makes a lot of sense. Brady and Godwin were seemingly from that week one game and the offseason reports much more in sync with each other right away than Evans uh, and Godwin or Evans and Brady were. So I think it makes a lot of sense why Evans would be much more boosted. Uh, in the games when Godwin was out. I mean, also, it just makes sense, right? Like, these are your two best players. When one of them gets removed, obviously the targets are going to funnel to the other. How are we feeling about it, though? If, if Evans plays a couple of games without Chris Godwin, because people are, like, ready to drop Mike Evans. You know, he's consistently dropping, like, two points or, uh, like, two catches per game or whatever in your lineup. It's not great. It's not been fun. Um, I also think this Bucks team is just in a really fascinating point in their season because – I think they might be the best team in the NFL or at least the most balanced team in the NFL. You know, they run the ball well. They throw the ball well. They're a great defense. Where are we at with this passing game right now with this latest news uh, that obviously Brown is joining in a couple of weeks and Chris Godwin is once again out?
0: I, I've been having Evans lower than the consensus rankings the last couple of weeks but because I just think he's totally banged up. Um, I don't care what they list him as. He's far from 100%. With the ankle or whatever it's hobbling him but i had to move him up with no godwin i mean maybe it just might come in the red zone and he may not get some big downfield plays like we're accustomed to but uh without godwin especially it's the giants who've defended the run far better than the pass. he's definitely back to top 20 of uh, a gronk is there too though so and scotty yeah. miller's uh becoming coming uh, alive too so there's some options there but yes definitely boost the value for mike evans a very frustrating year for for chris godwin big time and um yeah i mean brady looks good the Arguably the best defense in the NFL. Um, I looked into uh, betting on them to win the Super Bowl last week, but they were already down to 7-1. to one. So, um, yeah, this looks like one of the best teams in football. Ronald Jones, you know, I was hyping last week, drops one pass. Then he's benched for two quarters. Unbelievable, man. Fournette, by the way, nearly turned a little drop-off into an interception, but he did secure it, and then he secured all the others. So it looks like he's totally the passing down back there and going to cannibalize each other. But that was funny. Ronald Jones drops one pass. Pass, and then he's benched for two two uh, quarters right after I go nuts about him. Um, but it's uh, – yeah, they'll be fine even without Godwin has to miss a couple weeks. At least it's a bro- – you know, it's a finger injury. It's not some, some hamstring. So he'll be back in a couple weeks, and if this team gets – Gets healthy. Wow. Interesting about Bruce Arians. I guess he didn't have a great experience with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh um, and said no, no way before the season to Brady, who just obviously fell in love with his two games, uh, one game experience with, with Brown in, in New England. And Brady said, well, what about, you know, when he comes off, uh, if he's available uh, after the suspension, if our receiving core is banged up, and apparently that's exactly what happened, and, and here we are. So uh, yeah, this Bucks team—very smart decision by Brady, uh, by the way. He's on a, a Bucks yes. team that's a Super Bowl favorite, and New England is officially—you know—they're—they're—they're—they peaked. They're—they're they're in the downswing there. So, uh, b- bravo to, to Brady, man. Props.
1: Yeah, they're uh, they're lost in the wilderness. I think the Patriots are. We could we could say that. Did you see Bruce Arians? I mean, look. Bruce Arians, like, openly admits that he lies to the media and, like, he feels like it's part of the game to, to sort right. of play that stuff. So, like, take all of this with sure. a giant, big, fat grain of salt. I mean, this Antonio Brown situation is a perfect, um, perfect, like, note of that. He said that Brady had nothing to do with bringing Brown in <laughs> – B.S., man. I don't buy that for a second. (laughs) But, yeah, Bruce Arians basically said Leonard Fournette is now his, quote, nickel running back. He's playing in hurry-up and obvious passing-down situations. He basically took that role from LaShawn McCoy. Hilarious that we've got Leonard Fournette um, playing the role of James White in the Brady offense. But I think this is going to be – like, obviously, I think you could say, okay, Mike Evans is back. In, you know, starting consideration because Godwin is out, but I wouldn't be so sure because basically of what you and I have just been talking about, like this Bucks team, they can beat you in so many different ways. Like, I think it's going to be, you know, almost like a Patriots type of situation where you have no idea what their game plan is going to be going into – Each specific week. I mean, again, they can get into a slug it out, you know, defensive heavy contest because they have one of the best front sevens and an aggressive secondary that plays off those blitz packages from Todd Bowles really well. Their running game, you just said it, like, Ronald Jones, 330 yards over three games without Fournette, comes in, makes one mistake. And, yeah, Jones scored a touchdown last week, but obviously was not that feature back anymore. The running backs could go a couple different ways. Once Brown is involved in this passing game, like, Scotty Miller is a guy who can make plays. Like, Gronk is back. Chris Godwin eventually will be back. Mike Evans is out there as well. Like, they could go um, any different direction for the pass game. Like, this game on Monday night against the Giants this week, I have no idea how to project the Bucks in this spot because I think they could beat the Giants on the ground. I think they could beat the Giants through the air. Uh, I think they could, you know, their defense could throttle New York and like the Giants could put up three points and just we're not even talking about the offense. So I think that's the situation we're going to have to deal with with the Bucks every single week because they're that good of a team.
0: Yeah, I know it doesn't always work perfectly with volume this way, but it is tough to rely on, you know, entering the year, ranking all these guys high, Godwin, Evans, and Gronk, on a defense that's allowing the fewest yards per play on the other end. I mean, I guess it results in a lot of possessions, but um, man, yeah, that team can beat you in different ways with, yeah, with the healthy running back situation now, too. Evans could just be like their goal line receiver and get to the touchdowns, but he's also not a great fit for Brady, who wants to get rid of the ball quick, and he does not want to get hit you know, Evans more downfield, so at least a healthy one. So, yeah, I, yeah, even without Godwin, you're right, with Gronk emerging and Scotty Miller there in the running game and the defense, and, I mean, how many touchdowns can – Daniel Jones went five weeks without scoring a touchdown. Is he going to score one <laughs> against the Bucks? So, yeah, no it's, it's not an ideal setup. But no, Godwin, you got to bump Evans up a little.
1: Right, I think that's the takeaway. you got to bump him up a little, but I think we're both saying – Maybe hold off on bumping him up uh, too far. This is a good podcast uh, for J.J. Zacharyson because I also saw him put up a poll when he was talking about Mike Evans. Who would you rather have for the rest of the season? Mike Evans or Eagles breakout receiver Travis Fulgham? And obviously his followers are sharp. About two-thirds of them said Travis Fulgham. They'd rather have Fulgham for the rest of the year. Um, And I get it right? Because if you just look from, like, take the names out of it, from a resume and on paper perspective from 2020, Fulgham has clearly been the better of the two in fantasy. Right now, over the last four games, he's averaging 9.3 targets. That's 12th in the NFL behind Robbie Anderson. It's in front of DeAndre Hopkins in terms of 89.3 yards a game, three touchdowns. How much of this do you think is just, like, It's a barren landscape in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz doesn't have anyone to throw to. Or do you think Fulgham might actually be good? I'll I'll give a spoiler to my take here. I think Fulgham might actually be pretty good.
0: I think it's both. I think he looks really good. He passes the eye test and he happens to be on a team that lost Miles Sanders, all their wide receivers and both their tight ends. So it's like a, it's a, it's a nice confluence of events to him to be immediately a top 15 type fantasy wide receiver. I mean, what it's happened before miles Austin or some of these guys come out of nowhere, uh, at the wide receiver position, it's less, uh, it's, it's more unusual than the running back, but it happens. And, And yeah, I'm with you. I think he looks really good and he's in a pretty good situation too
1: he kind of reminds me i I feel like he's on the marvin jones darius slayton axis of receiver where they play a lot outside i wouldn't call any of them elite separators by any means but they're really good at winning contested situations and when they're matched with a quarterback that has no problem rifling that ball downfield into tight coverage like carson wentz does right now i mean basically Travis Fulgham has just become what Alshon Jeffrey used to be that boundary receiver. That's good in 50, 50 situations. And, you know, I mean, he's crushing it in, in this role. I think he's legit. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, Jalen Rager is going to come back soon. Like I think if they can get Fulgham and Rager on the field together, and then a, a potentially Dallas Goddard at some point soon as well, like, the Eagles might actually have something there from an offensive perspective, and they'll consistently have offensive line problems. I think Wentz has been under pressure on more of his dropbacks than any other uh, quarterback this year. But now we're starting to cook there with that personnel grouping. And Wentz right now is QB7, I think, on the year in fantasy, mostly on the back of five rushing touchdowns. But I feel like there's still a little bit of, like, national stink on carson wentz because he's been so bad from a turnover perspective this year but this might be a chance like he's starting to play a little bit better he's starting we're kind of just starting to understand like what wentz is going to be this year this might be a good time to start buying guys like fulgham if people think like the point um i think from jj's poll there with mike evans being you know, fav- like favored by only one third, but that is one third of, of people. They're favoring Mike Evans in that poll simply because of name value. If people don't really have a good understanding of what Fulgham is doing, or Jalen Rager is available on your waiver wire, or Dallas Goddard could be had on the cheap in a trade, maybe even Miles Sanders at some point too when he gets healthy. All I feel like all these Eagles guys, like kind of sneaky, might be a buy right now.
0: Yeah, Wentz, unlike Brady, he's totally not afraid to get hit. He stays in there. He's a willing to. Not that Brady's afraid too to. Willing. But mind too willing. Sometimes too. I
1: think Wentz is too yeah. willing sometimes. Right. He to doesn't care. What,
0: yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Just like reckless in there. And that results in all these uh, downfield shots. I mean, John Hightower was like second in air yards a couple weeks ago. I mean, all these right. bombs. And, and that'll help Fulgham. I mean, we're no, where the red zone. Both tight ends out and the running backs. Well, you mentioned Carson Wentz is, is running them all in. But Deshaun Jackson just suffered a high ankle sprain. Um. He, yeah, or, or, Ortega Whiteside does not look to be a thing. So uh, Travis Fulgham I have ranked as a top 20 wide receiver. Maybe I should move him into top 15 in this matchup against Dallas. I mean, it's great. So totally with you here. Yeah, easily for me over Evans.
1: Yeah, this is a beautiful thing too because this um, this like this, they're playing Dallas this week. Like we're talking about all these things clicking and then they're playing Dallas this week. Like this is a great right. spot, I think. I think even in that situation, like Carson Wentz might go – maybe underplayed in DFS simply because again, this there's still a good amount of like national stink on him and the NFC East, especially coming off that. Just, I don't know how to describe it. Thursday night game against the New York giants. Um, all right, let's move. Uh, last thing we love to see sort of pseudo love to see this. It's your team, the San Francisco 49ers, their committee backfield continues to produce. If you can pick the right one, their second in rushing offense DVOA right now Um Jeff Wilson, what a bummer, man. I mean, this guy is, like, tearing it up against the Patriots. I added him to a bunch of leagues because it's like, okay, this could be – like, I know everyone wants to add Hasty. I know everyone likes Jerick McKinnon. But, like, this would be the 500th time in NFL history that a Shanahan back that isn't the one we expect to produce ends up producing, goes out there, plays really well, ends up getting hurt. It's a real bummer for him. Um, But, you know, could this be a situation where – we start to get a couple of usable backs from this backfield like Raheem Mostert no one, he's on IR again um is this sort of the the breakout moment for Hasty who I think in his touches has looked has looked explosive I feel like we talked about him on last week's show as well um is this a, is this a spot where he could end up being a potential starter the rest of the time that he has um has has the reins here
0: You know, I had it half right last week. I had McKinnon uh, ranked lower than most, and I kind of avoided him. Uh, He he has just lacked burst ever since they worked him really hard. Played him like 98% of the snaps you know, t- back-to-back knee surgeries, he's just really lacked burst. Now, maybe this week off that they plan, maybe he'll suddenly regain some of that burst. But uh, the other half I got wrong was I went hasty last week and not Wilson. I mean, he had missed the week before with that calf injury. It was questionable. It was an afternoon game. So it was tough for fantasy managers. But Wilson's a legend, man. That's three multiple uh, rushing touchdowns uh, games he's had, and he's barely played the last two years. But um, And next man up for the Niners. And uh, your guess is good as mine between McKinnon and hasty, but uh, my guess would be McKinnon is more the third down guy going to get the catches, but Hasty looks like the guy with more juice. Uh, he was a preseason favorite. Um, so I, I would be starting Hasty over McKinnon, but um, it's probably going to delve into some sort of committee and Seattle's not the best uh, matchup. They're far better against the run than they are the past. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. They're down to like they're literally their fifth stringer. I mean, Tevin Coleman yeah is possibly going getting... to come back as well. So Mostert's yeah. awesome, can't stay healthy. Wilson uh, looks really, really good to get the opportunity. But now you're really getting thin with a, a banged-up uh, McKinnon and, you know, undrafted Hasty.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention, like, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, they're both on IR. So is Tevin Coleman, also on IR. And he, But he, the college had said he could come back in Week 8. Further complicating an already complicated situation. But Coleman might be another guy to, like, go – like. Check your waiver wire. I'm sure he's available. Like, check your waiver wire. Pick up Tevin Coleman because, you know, obviously there's a thousand different reasons why we could say that this coaching staff obviously really likes him. Um, But, you know, we're talking about, like you said, last man standing here. If Hasty doesn't grab the reins and run run with it um, in week eight, we could certainly be talking about – could be talking about Coleman here uh very soon. So maybe get ahead of the curve on that one if you have bench space. And you hit it, you should have bench space right now, okay? You don't need to keep the like Danny Amendola's wide receiver four or fives on your bench anymore if you're a good team. Start start planning for this championship push here.
0: Debo's right, out, to... too, and he's like a glorified running back for them, too. If he, I mean, he's getting yes, off these jet true. sweeps. So, I mean, they really need someone to step up. Hasty looks good, man. I mean, tell, Hasty is a sleeper for sure. H- Hasty, Hasty has more upside than Coleman's corpse at this point. But um, I, I, I can't <laughs> promise it. And, I, again, it might be McKinnon. But um, Hasty is the one with the upside. He's got some, he has got He hits that hole hard.
1: I would, ag- I would agree with you 100% on that one. All right, we wanted to thank, once again, our sponsor for this episode, Planters, when you want to satisfy a salty craving planters has you covered their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor that you crave stay satisfied with planters deluxe mixed nuts all right let's move on to trends you hate to see uh if you're a cam newton backer you know as i am uh you hate to see the last two weeks um What's going on here, man? Uh he leads the NFL right now over the last two weeks with a 12.5% interception rate. That's absurdly high. He's 27th uh in catchable pass rate, and he's averaging just 5.3 air yards per completion. Um what's your guess as to what's going on with Cam Newton? Because I have um I have about five.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm very curious your take here. Um I- I think it's just a, a combination of many things. One, uh, that that great game week two in Seattle doesn't look as amazing in hindsight when you look at Seattle's defense. It was still great. They're making tremendous throws. He dealt with COVID. Um, one thing I want to bring up quickly is that I had Ben Baldwin on the pod and I grilled him about the CPOE, the advanced passing stats, and he basically said to me that the, the system matters more than I was giving it credit for and I was burying Tom Brady. Um, maybe it was those numbers pointed a lot to that New England system here. And that's what Cam Newton is taking over. Meanwhile, Brady looks good again in a different system. So those advanced stats and all that, you know, it context matters. And, and it maybe it wasn't an individual look at that quarterback. Maybe you really should take it all into context with the system. So the New England one is suddenly maybe the, one of the worst in the league. And it's hard to argue looking at those wide receivers. That said, he also has mechanics are out of whack. He made some really bad throws. I'm a Niners guy, so I was watching that game. And he just didn't look... Look right either so what's your opinion harman i'm guessing it's it's uh there are many things here
1: yeah a thousand percent like context always matters behind you know advanced stats with anything of course that goes without saying um i think like you're saying from an eye test perspective he, do- he looks terrible i mean there's no like well his receivers aren't open whatever like there are open guys sure cam doesn't look good and I was listening to uh, the athletic football show with Robert Mays and uh, Nate Tice. They do a great like Sunday night recap show. i recommend everybody check that out. Um, Nate's a former college quarterback. Uh, his son was a son of Mike Tice, a former NFL coach too. He was talking about, you know, basically like sometimes when guys slip into bad mechanical habits and there's no doubt that cam has some bad mechanical habits pretty much throughout his entire career. Um, but like, when you take a long absence, like when you take an absence from the game or whatever, that could be a huge part of like throwing him off rhythm and, you know, whether like, I think it's sort of weird and irresponsible to speculate about whether like he has lingering effects from COVID or like, you know, whatever I have no idea. Like there's just, there's just nothing really I can say there with any definitive um, guess. But at the same point, at the same time, like what we can definitely say is that coming off week three uh, he takes this gigantic absence from 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 the game, from the team. Obviously, two weeks—that's a long time. Also, it's worth noting, like he's very new to this system. Um, it's very easy to slip back into bad habits, and especially when you've been away from the game, then it could make it even worse. Like the, the effects of these, the, the, bad habits and you see it like, you know, he's short hopping some of these throws. Like some of these, some of them, them, they're not even close. Like when he misses, like, it's not even like the old Cam Newton, like, Oh, he misses high, whatever. Like it's not even close to that. It's way worse. So that in that's sort of like a good news, bad news thing, because I think the good news in that is that maybe he gets into rhythm and like in a couple of games, he's fine. I think that's totally possible, but I think the bad news is the last two weeks have really exposed the fact that, like, there's just no margin for error in this uh, Patriots offense, which is pretty much like what you were saying with the system and the players in it, which were making Brady look so bad last week or last year. So, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a chance that just this entire team is kind of too broken to to fix. I mean, their their offensive line was supposed to be the strength of the team, and that's been very banged up of late. And that's compounding with Cam's problems and then the problems that are, I mean, like clearly Cam doesn't trust all of his players right now because he barely, you know, he barely knows these guys. So there's a lot going on uh, with, with Cam Newton. I think if you have, if you play in a one quarterback league and you've been riding Cam, like you've got to drop him and move on. Like if you have him in super flex, you could probably hold him and see what happens. But I think you can, like the actionable takeaway here is I think for now, just kind of wash your hands of this of this offense until we see it get back on track here
0: yeah uh, i respect that he's shown zero excuse given zero excuses and put it all on his shoulders but um for whatever the reason yeah it's not you can't trust him in fantasy lineups for sure and uh man his his receivers you look at the tight ends top to bottom it is pretty pretty brutal and it's not like jared stidham has looked any better at all oh his yeah no yeah, work either exactly. so, so that's that's yeah, why yeah. there's
1: not going to be like a quarterback competition or anything like that because stidham's come in the la- a couple games and. I mean, he's been better than Brian Hoyer, but, like, that ain't, that ain't saying anything, man. <laughs> Brian <laughs> Hoyer is dust. So, yeah, like, Stidham's looked bad. Um, it, and I think that also speaks to the, the situation that both these guys playing. And you're right, man. Like, Cam, Cam gets such a bad rap for a thousand different things. And some, sometimes he's brought it on himself at different points in his career. But Cam is never a guy that's, like, going to make excuses or blame other people. Like, yeah, it, he's, he's that dude. Let's talk about uh, an offense that we didn't expect to have concerns about, but we sort of kind of do. Uh, we talked about the Chiefs earlier um, in the show. You know, Tyreek Hill, number one, definitely been a guy who has not been what people probably thought. Um, he's like always going to be an efficiency outlier, but the volume is not what you paid for in fantasy this year. In 2018, he had 8.6 targets per game. 2019, 7.4. This year, down to 6.9. And I think what you really have to look at here is, like, the Chiefs' offense from an efficiency perspective has not lost anything, right? Like, they're still number one in offensive DVOA as a whole, and they're number one in terms of passing offense DVOA. But Mahomes right now has gone over 300 yards in three of his games, but in all others, he's thrown for fewer than 240. Um, the Chiefs have only lost once this year. Like, they've showed us, and I, I this sort of bleeds into what I wanted to talk about with the Ravens, too, They've shown us that like when they're in control of a game, they're totally fine to just ride Clyde Edwards-Lair and then probably Le'Veon Bell and a little bit of Daryl Williams. Like They've really leaned on that ground game in positive game script situations, which is, which is really not what we expected coming into this year.
0: So had, Tyreek Hill had 10 targets last week, my go-to whopper um, combination of air yards and target share. He was fourth, so maybe he's creeping back up there. Ayuk, my guy, was fifth last week, by the hey. way. Um, uh, Tyreek Hill, you're treating him more like, say, in between the 8 and 15 wide receivers as opposed to 4 or 5 is what I would say, kind of how they're distributing it there here. But you he love to be tied with Mahomes. And like I said last week, the, the opportunity was there. Um, will be interesting to see the Le'Veon Bell revenge game. What a, I mean, a 20-point spread in the NFL. Uh, they could spread it around there for Hill. I mean, the setup might not be oh great for him this week. But um yeah it's been interesting with Mahomes not exactly lighting the league on fire but last week was weird with the two uh, what the defensive touchdowns and the special teams touchdown their their plays just were way down because of that random event, so um i still expect them to be fine moving forward but yeah tyree Hill has not quite been the target hog as we expected and travis kelsey's already matched last year's touchdown total i believe too so it's just gone a little bit differently although hill is still scoring the touchdowns too and it's so nice and frustrating when you don't have any of them when uh, mahomes calls hike from the three yard line and, and you know hands the ball off to to hill for an easy touchdown in front of him and it counts as a pass so he's still getting those every now and then too
1: <laughs> yeah right like that's what i'm saying if from an efficiency perspective they've just they've been fine. Um, I think that both both the Ravens and the Chiefs, I think, are really – and this might be something that we sort of have to account for in fantasy. Like, the Ravens, they have – I feel like we talk, might have talked about this at different points on the show too, but who cares? We, we, we say the same things over and over again. It doesn't matter. Um, of course. <laughs> you know, they're a team that clearly, like, they're laser-focused on um, on January, right? Like, the Ravens have – they don't have a damn thing to prove in uh september october whatever like we might not see the best of the ravens until late into december like that's when they might start fully clicking i'm not saying that they're not trying right same thing with the chiefs i'm not saying that they're like not trying to win but what's the incentive for a team and like the ravens have only lost one game too to the to the chiefs like through all their offensive struggles they're still winning, and winning is all that matters to them. They don't care about their fantasy stats or whatever. So, what incentive do they have to really unveil any new wrinkles? Same thing with the Chiefs. Like, why bother? Like, I, I thought it. I thought it was interesting. I, you know, started doing my rankings this week, and in the consensus rankings that you, you can start out with, like Tyreek Hill is wide receiver two. Uh, Patrick right. Mahomes is quarterback one. I just said like in in games. Like in all other games outside of three this year, Mahomes has gone under 240 yards. Like sure. He could come out and throw 200 yards, and throw five touchdowns on the jets. I think that's quite possible, but it's also possible that he comes out and throws 220 gets one, one touchdown. Then they just ride Le'Veon bell for the revenge game for the rest of the, the rest of the week. Like there's, we might have to sort of start baking that into some of these very, like maybe two or three teams every year in very unique circumstances that are really only focused on one goal winning the Super Bowl, because the, the Ra- that's basically all the Ravens have left to prove, win in the playoffs, whatever. Like, they don't have a lot of incentive to even at this point in the season start unveiling all of these new things, like, or even really be the best version of themselves.
0: Yeah, it seems like the Chiefs hid uh, some stuff before that game, specifically against uh, the Ravens. They have the, the Chiefs have the number five pass defense in DVOA. So, I mean, it's their defense pretty good, too, with the running game going. So, yeah. yes, it's not quite the carnival stats. And then, of course, McCole Hardman somehow leads a team in receiving last week on just two targets. And I expected Demarcus Robinson to be a sneaky uh, flex play. So, um, yeah, they're loaded there in KC. And Tyreek Hill is more of a wide receiver 10 than a wide receiver 2, is what I would say.
1: I love it. All right. Let's do a quick uh, breakdown of the Cleveland offense without Odell Beckham um, on top of already not having Nick Chubb. Are you look, I I talked about this on Twitter this morning in a year where pretty much all holidays are canceled. um, Is anyone trick or treating this year? Uh, Can we have big Thanksgiving Christmas gatherings? I don't know. What What a terrible year. Uh, in a year where all of the holidays are canceled, it's nice that we can have our annual tradition of when I tell you Rashad Higgins is a must-add on the waiver wire. Like, it's nice that that annual tradition can still be a thing when all of our other holidays uh, are canceled. Um, how do you feel about this offense now without Beckham in the mix?
0: How, it's crazy. Looked like he was going to be benched for Keenum after a slow start and a horrific week uh, before, and then he Mayfield looked great. I hate to be anecdotal and be like, is he going to be better without Beckham, whom I think is absolutely you know awesome talent, one of the best receivers, but. You, you cut back a couple weeks ago, we had to go apologize to him after they scored a touchdown and said, uh, you know, remain patient. And sometimes it does work that way as far as feeling the need to, to feed your your alpha receiver versus spreading it around. Um, it's a tough task with Hooper Hurt, also and Jarvis Landy, playing with a broken rib and no Chubb, as you as you said. But Harrison Bryant looks uh, like a player and Rashad Higgins, I'm with you, man. Add him for sure. I think I have him ranked pretty agra- top borderline top 30 in this matchup at home against the Raiders. Thirty Top 30-ish wide receiver this week. So, Yeah, Ad Higgins and sucks for Beckham, but um, I don't know. I'm very curious your take here. Mayfield, I've been down on, but uh, that was very impressive last week.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Beckham, I think, is still, like, he looks, looked, I should say, (laughs) right back, you know, to sort of his old form, like getting separation at all levels of the field. But the chemistry between him and Baker has never really been there. And I think it goes beyond an anecdotal thing, because, you know, one thing that I've, Looked at studying receivers for the last, you know, six seven years, like I have, you start to learn a lot about quarterbacks and what type of receivers quarterbacks um, prefer. And I remember the first time I thought about this, I might have talked about this on the Sunday Show. It's hard to say. Um, it's it's sometimes you. The first time I started thinking about this was. With, Ka- with Colin Kaepernick in uh, San Francisco, you know, Kaepernick was very much like a see-it-throw-it type of quarterback by the time, you know, 2015 came around, 2014, like, and he had sort of started to go on the downward turn of his career from the Super Bowl um, appearance a couple of years before that. So he, you could see that he really could not make it work with a timing rhythm route runner like a Michael Crabtree. but. With Anquan Bolden, there was no problems there because Bolden is the ultimate see it, throw it. Like you, you, wherever he is, you can just throw it to him because he doesn't have to be open. You know, he can win those contested passes. I think Jarvis Landry is a pretty similar player to an Anquan Bolden in his prime, which is why I think Baker, because I think Baker is a similar passer, a see it, throw it type of guy. Doesn't anticipate things well, awful at going through his reads. Um, that's a terrible fit for a guy like Odell Beckham, who we think of him for all the supreme athleticism but he is very much a timing rhythm route runner as well you think about on the curls the comebacks whatever um the dig routes and over the middle of the field those require a lot of timing rhythm of which baker has none so i'm not surprised that this connection you know in hindsight didn't ever really come together because baker has sort of regressed to being that type of player but without beckham in the mix and without the pressure to make it work with a guy that you just can't find that rhythm because your skill sets don't align. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a better version of Beckham, you know, with a guy like Richard Higgins, who he's always had a good rhythm with or Landry when he gets healthy, because that makes just sense from an on-field perspective that those guys match up better. So that's kind of like my, Thoughts on why this connection hasn't really worked. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Beckham, you know, is on another team next year or or whatever, because it just hasn't really been. It's been about as bad as it could have be. It's been as bad about as bad as it could be from his Browns tenure this to this point.
0: Yeah, I believe entering last week, Mayfield held the ball longer than any other quarterback. Um, he's speaking of not being afraid to take hits. Um, not great as far as timing, but it's too bad it didn't work out. Entering last year, uh, I had Beckham ranked super high, Mayfield Me ranked too. super high. I expected them to be awesome, <laughs> take the league by storm, freed from that giant situation. But here we are, and it's uh, yeah, not 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 ideal. But Mayfield, yeah, very curious to see how he. Performs. moving on. Uh, Matt, before, I know we're running uh, late on time here, but I just wanted to say one more stat uh, here is your guy, um, Justin Herbert. Did you see that they started throwing the ball a lot more and they became super uh, uh, aggressive in the first three quarters on early downs? They started passing it nearly 60%. Pretty big stat trend, and I know you love Herbert, uh, who doesn't. Uh, so that's something absolutely. I, absolutely I wanted to I wanted to mention. Yes, I had he's to mention the, it with your. With he's your on board. the board yes. this
1: week, Justin Herbert. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I love it. Uh, that's a trend we love to see. I, I agree. That was. I mean, he does. Who knows, right? Like Herbert could at some point just flip the switch and like it, you know, it was just a flash in the pan to start his career. You know, people get more tape on him, whatever. Like that, that could be a thing that happens, but good God, man. Like everything you want from a quarterback, he, he has it, you know, it's, it's, it's the rhythm, it's the feel, it's the placement. Um, it's the aggression. It's the um, poise under pressure. Like, I mean, I, I can't, say enough good about where he is like at this point too, like chargers players i know keenan allen has been on a tear but in fantasy like we always talk about buying low but sometimes you got to buy high i think the best could be yet to come for keenan allen um you know mike williams will always be a little volatile because the one of herbert's best traits but it's one of the most aggravating for fantasy is that he can make it work with absolutely everybody so yeah, listen, we could go overtime all we want, Dalton, to give a little, <laughs> give a little. But shout it's amazing. Out no, you're Herber. right. He's
0: hitting up Guyton. He's hitting up his third, his fourth, his fourth reads, and for fantasy, the legs he had, he can run too. So it's an yes. advantage there. And uh, man, just so impressive. And if they do start passing more, like I said, 59% in the first three quarters on early downs, that's five percent more than league average. That's that's big news too. So yeah, man, we're part of the Justin Herbert fan club here.
1: Yeah, listen, we could have spent the last 45 minutes talking about only Justin Herbert, and I think I would have been fine with it. But let's wrap things up with our last segment of the show, Who Got Shelled, presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. Then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups that you might want to take advantage of this Sunday. Dalton who got shelled last week uh this one's easy the Seattle Seahawks defense uh producer ragoo has banned Dallas from being in this section both <laughs> last week and i think projecting forward cuz it's simply too easy but the Seahawks might be like close to that territory too um kyler murray was awesome did you see kyler murray uh, literally like smile and then unleash the deep pass to DeAndre Hopkins on the touchdown. What a baller. Like, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. That was awesome. Uh, But, yeah, uh, uh, excuse me, Dallas, Seattle. What's the difference at this point? Seattle got absolutely shelled last week.
0: They did. And, uh, you know, I'll keep with the theme here. Um, I'm going to – I think that game, the Niners and Seahawks game this week, is where I'm talking about who's going to get shelled. Um, I'll just yes. say my 49ers, uh, but it's really going to be both. I like loading up both teams here in DFS. Um, by the way, can we say that my 49ers would be the clear best team in the NFL, if healthy right now? A bunch of frauds yeah. out there. They're making these wins <laughs> with with 10, uh, 10 people uh, injured here. I think they have about two starters on defense. One quick fact. Jimmy G had the second lowest dot last week and the highest YPA. Um but those all those injuries on defense are going to catch up to him i um, this is a bad sit up setup. I know uh the Seahawks just played five quarters, but they're fired up after losing that overtime game. um A depleted Niners team against this Seahawks team that is getting the most yards per play on offense and allowing the fourth most on defense. That's such a nice setup for fantasy stats, so I think the both the Seahawks and specifically my 49ers, all those injuries are going to catch up to them. And this Seahawks offense is just going to absolutely shell them, unfortunately.
1: Your guy Jimmy G over the last two weeks averaging 3.2 air yards per completion. That is <laughs> dead last uh, in the NFL. And, you know, hey, at least he's up there from an on-target uh throw percentage Uh, he's second in the NFL to only Debo minus
0: 45 air yards I believe the last two weeks too Debo minus 45 air yards
1: it's insane talk about like the biggest training wheels uh, offense in the entire NFL it's good to play quarterback for Kyle Shanahan all right I expect who I expect to get shelled this week is the Minnesota Vikings Um, Vikings are coming off a bye Uh, they face Aaron Rodgers again who absolutely shelled them in week one he sort of started this revenge comeback tour MVP-ish run against the Vikings with four touchdowns and over 360 yards in week one. Would not be surprised if we see a similar situation. I got to tell you, man, I love the way they're using Devontae Adams Devontae Adams almost tied his own catch record last week, a record that he set in week one in terms of the most catches in franchise history for for the damn uh, Packers. You love to see it. The Vikings right now still allow the seventh highest yards per play. And I think actually this game could be in terms of net yards, uh, net yards per attempt, their seventh uh, or third, third highest allowed in the nfl like i think in terms of a game script perspective too like the fact that the vikings offense with justin jefferson in place is actually a much better unit than they were um in week one i think that could only incentivize more offensive production in this game so i think vikings packers should be pretty high scoring and i think the vikings are going to get absolutely shelled by aaron Rodgers, who when he doesn't play the best team in a league in the damn bucks uh he's on I- fire this year
0: I was going to say, how good is the Bucks' defense in hindsight? Oh, this should absolutely be a fun game. These two teams are both top four in yards per play. Dude, I ranked Devontae Adams number one receiver last week, but I hyped, uh, uh MVS as a sleeper and kind of oh, faded, yeah. at, faded Adams in, uh, in DFS because of Bradley Roby, who leaves after the first snap. <laughs> I'm not saying he's some shutdown corner, but the Bradley Roby, Roby leaves after the first snap and then they don't double Adams the rest of the game. It's a, yeah. it's a ridiculous setup. I mean, just the co- uh, I guess the coaching's still a problem there in Houston, but, um, that's You're a fun one too, for sure. Minnesota's D will, will get shelled this week. I agree.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It was one of those weeks where like no Adams, no money in terms no money, of DFS. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. Adams is the baller. He's so I think good. he's best. I think he's best receiver in the NFL right now. But that's a whole uh, separate discussion. All right, so that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. I I tend to doubt it uh, on on some of these guys. And once again, we wanted to give a shout out to Planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with Planters. All right, Dalton, plug your stuff. What you got coming up this week, man?
0: I uh, got a pod with P now. My sit start Friday. Just follow me on Twitter and yeah,
1: follow follow Dalton on Twitter. So follow Dalton on Twitter. I, I, I uh I was telling my my fiance this week about um how I told you to tweet more of your hot takes and then the one time you did tweet, you, know, you got banged on the Andy Dalton analysis and now basically I'm, i I told her I'm responsible for you know single handedly like shutting down you ever tweeting again, which tough scene for me
0: yeah so right. no i will I'll get back on the horse. I'll be <laughs> tweeting tonight, my tears crying. I have a, a big raised future, and they're gonna lose the world series tonight. So when you hear this, I will be very, very, very sad, but um, but yeah, I will be tweeting sadness tonight.
1: Well, we love tweeting sadness, uh, and while you're you know desperately. Uh, scrolling through Dalton's Twitter feed, looking for that (laughs) sadness, you can keep yourself entertained by listening to some of our great podcasts here at Yahoo sports. Check out the NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo sports college podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel and Pat 40, our friend from SI follow us on Twitter at Yahoo fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon, underscore BYB that's at Dalton Del Don for all of your sad tweets. And one more. Thanks. To our friends at Planters, you will not be sad if you're enjoying some Planters products. And tomorrow, Dalton's going to be back with Scott to preview the Week 8 betting lines, as he mentioned. But until then, we're out of here.